You're listening to the teaching ministry of Discovery Church in Bristol, Tennessee. For more information about Discovery, or for more free audio content, please visit discoverybristol.com. So it was the second to last night. We're in Costa Rica on a mission trip with the high school students, and uh, throughout the week, while our heart's been good, we've been serving the people of Costa Rica, uh, within our team, people were kind of bickering and fighting, and, and I wanted them to see that servanthood isn't just to people outside, but to, our, to your friends, to your loved ones, to the people that you're working alongside. And so we had this idea, and so we gathered our group together. And, and it's a classic, you know, if you've been on a mission trip, you might have done this before, but we had an opportunity to wash each other's feet based off of the passage in John 13 where Jesus washes the disciples' feet. And so the students didn't know. We had a, a hat with everyone's name, and we passed it around, and everyone grabbed a name, and, and surely they, quickly they all told who they had, and everyone know, knew who each person's name had. And then I told them what we were going to do. I brought out a bucket of water. And told them that this morning we're gonna wa- or this evening we're gonna wash each other's feet, and people obviously were were uncomfortable and they were upset. And they're like, "No, Matt, and my feet are nasty." And I said, "I know, I know, all of our feet are nasty, but this is what Jesus did. It was a humble experience. It was to care for his disciples. It was to love one another." And so I took out the name of the person that I had drawn, and it was one of the high school students, and and I had I had her come up and sit on a chair in the middle of the circle. And it was awkward, of course, at first, and she was hesitant to take off her sandals, but, but she did. And she put her feet in the water and then pulled it up, and I dried off her feet. I washed them with a the towel and then dried them off. And so it was awkward. She, she laughed a little because her feet tickled, um, but we made it through, right? And so then it was her turn to wash the feet of the person she had drawn. And so she calls out the name of that student, and that student comes up, and and it was awkward for the next 20 minutes as everyone's experiencing having their feet washed in front of each other and washing feet. And we had to change out the water a couple of times because it was getting pretty dirty. And, but it was, it was a good time. It was a time of levity. It was a time of humility. It was a time that we all laughed and, and enjoyed. Everyone laughed except for one boy. There's one boy in the corner. He was a basketball player. He's a big athletic kid, and he was not laughing at all. In fact, he looked terrified. I couldn't figure out why he was so scared, why he wasn't enjoying this like everyone else, and and just laughing at each other, having to wash their feet. But he was terrified. And then one girl called his name, and I realized why. See, James had had a crush on Susan for a long time, and Susan drew his name. And he knew that Susan was going to be washing his feet, and he was terrified. And when she said, James, it's your turn, James came over to me and goes, Matt, I can't do this. Please don't make me do this. I said, James, everybody else is gone. You have to, right? And he goes, but my feet stink. I said, all of our feet stink. We've been walking around in the slums of San Jose, Costa Rica for a week. It's okay. He said, please don't make me do this. I said, James, you have to. This is part of the experience, and, and it's an opportunity for Susan to care for you. So I walked him over to the chair, and and he sat down, and he just sat there, frozen, terrified. And Susan's on her knees with a bucket of water and just waiting for him to take off his shoes and his socks. And and he looked at me, and he mouths, I can't do it. And I said, it's okay, James, you can. And I'll never forget the look on his face when he got an idea, and he just lit up. And he then 
proceeded to take his feet in his shoes and stuck the whole thing in the, in the water. And he brought, brought his shoes out. And Susan was shocked. She didn't know what to do. And so she starts drying off, cleaning off his shoes. And here's this 17-year-old awkward basketball player sitting with his shoes in water and having it cleaned off by the girl he's had a crush on for a couple years. I love this story because, it, one, if you knew James, you, you would laugh and you would love it too. He was just a fun kid, and, and the look on his face when he finally got an idea, I got it, I'll just stick my whole feet in, um, which ended up being way more ridiculous than if he had taken his shoes off. It was a funny story, but it's also a story that I love because I like that story in the Bible. This idea that Jesus was willing to humble himself and care for his disciples. Uh, we've been doing this Discover Jesus series, and, and up until this point, we've been doing it here at church. And last week, we had the crowns, and we looked at discovering Jesus, the merciful king. And, and I hope you were there and part of that. And if not, uh, our stage is covered with crowns that we came and placed at the throne of God. And it's just an opportunity to remind her that we're not the king of our life. Jesus should be. And at this crazy time of, of this virus and, every, and the fears and the economic things that are fa- we're facing ahead, it's a great reminder that there's a king on the throne who's above, the king of, who is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. So we've discovered Jesus as the merciful king. And, and two weeks ago, Elliot helped us discover Jesus as the light, that he's the light of the world. And in the midst of darkness and sin, he is the one true light. And this morning, we're going to discover Jesus the servant. I hope you have your discovery book, uh, devotion book. If, if you don't have a physical one, you can get that on our social media, a, a digital version. And it's been neat this week, as this past two weeks, as we've been going through um, these Bible studies written by church members. We had no way to know that we'd be facing a time where we were isolated and we were alone. And yet every day I have someone from the church speaking into my life as I read these devotions. And it's just been neat to see that we're still a community. And so this week, we're going to look at Jesus, the servant, discovering the servant. So if you have your Bibles, open it to John chapter 13. We're going to look at that very story, the foot washing story that uh, Jesus did for the disciples. But first, I want to look at one verse from last week. It's from Philippians chapter 2, verse 7. It says, talking about Jesus, rather, He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. The actual Greek word here is is not just servant, but a bond servant. And a a bond servant is first introduced in Exodus 21. Moses tells about a servant that that used to be forced into into servanthood, but now that servant is free. And yet they choose to continue to be a servant because they love the one they're serving. They choose to make that effort to be in that position of servanthood because they love the one that they're serving. They see that this is their calling. They see that this is their fulfillment. It's to be a servant to the one they love. And so think about that in that verse. By taking the very nature of a bond servant, being made in human likeness, that he became a servant because he loved us. 
that he's willing to serve because he loved us. And so that's when this whole idea of discovering Jesus as a servant, it's not a, a decision that he had to serve because he was in a lower position. It's not he was forced to be a servant. It's a decision that he chose. We're going to see John lays it out clearly that he has all the power to do whatever he would want. And in the midst of that power, he chooses to serve because he loves you and me. So as I said, if you have your Bibles, open it to John chapter 13. It begins, it was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. John kind of lays the groundwork for us, knowing that it's time for the Passover. This is the, this is the coming of the end. This is the beginning of the end. This is the, the festival that Jesus will fulfill. And so it's coming. John lets us know that the Passover is here. The hour had come for him to leave this world. Imagine that. Jesus knows the end is here. What's ahead is a trial. What's ahead is a beating. What's ahead is a praying in the garden. What's ahead is the cross. He has all this ahead of him. And what does he do? He chooses to serve. He chooses to love them to the end. The passage continues, verse 2. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. To set add a little groundwork for what we're about to get into, the, the disciples we see in the chapter before have been arguing. They're arguing again. It's the same argument they've had six months earlier about who is second in command, who is the most important of Jesus' Jesus's disciples. And so they come to this meal, and they know it's going to be the Passover meal, and there's great tradition and great importance about where you sit at the Passover meal. And so the disciples have been bickering and fighting about who is in charge and, and who would be second command and who would get to sit where. And this is the attitude that they bring into the Passover meal. All the, all the disciples, even Judas Iscariot. Judas had already been prompted and, and been, uh, already been prompted and been tempted and has already made a decision to betray Jesus. And yet he's there with all the other disciples and they're bickering and fighting over who gets to set where as they come into the Passover dinner. Verse 3 says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. That's key. As John is making sure we know that Jesus knew all things are under his power. Like I said, he could have put an end to everything. He didn't have to go through the trial. He didn't have to go through the beating. He didn't have to go through the cross. But he chose to be a bondservant, to serve the ones he loves. And so he had all the power, and within that power, he still chose to serve. And so we see it so vividly. Imagine you're at this dinner, and, and maybe you're one of the disciples, or maybe, uh, maybe you're one of the servers bringing food around. And you see the disciples, and they're still bickering, and they're still bitter, and, and they're not looking at each other because they're upset about where they ended up sitting. And Jesus gets up from the table. The tables would have been down low, and everyone would be on cushions around. And he gets up from the table. And maybe the room goes silent, wondering, what's he going to teach us? What's he going to do? All eyes are on Jesus. And it says, so he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a the towel that was wrapped around him. 
There's an old proverb, a story about a queen who, who wanted to see what it was like for the common folks. And so she went down to town, but she took with her her, her royal tapestries and, and her, her royal robe, and, and there's her royal guards, and, and she wa- wanted to walk about on the streets, and people still treated her like the queen. And she couldn't understand why. She's in among the common area. Why would they treat her like a queen? And, and a wise sage told her, you have to take away all your royal, all your royal garb and your royal tapestries and your royal uh, people with you and dress and act like a commoner. So the next day, she put on a commoner's outfit, and she went down, and people treated her like she was one of them. The point of that is that, you had to be able, that she had to be able to be with them, to be one of them, before they were able to see her any differently. So here you have Jesus, this teacher that everyone has respected. He's the rabbi, and, and he gets up, and people are looking and waiting for him to say something wise. And instead, he takes off his outer garment and puts on a towel and gets down on his knees with a basin of water and begins to clean their feet. This job was the job of the lowest servant there at the dinner. This is the job of, it was usually a young child servant. Would, when people would walk in the, to a dinner, the host would have the youngest child servant wash the feet of the participants. You'd come in and you'd have your feet washed because you were walking around in filth and dirty roads and, and you didn't want to leave any dirt in the host home or on the host rugs. And so you would have your feet washed as you stepped in to the room. More than likely, the servant was there. This was obviously an important dinner and, and the host would have had a, a, the young servant there ready to clean the feet. But these guys were so caught up in their bickering so caught up in their fighting about who's going to sit where, so caught up in themselves that they just walked by the young lad and they went and sat down with filthy feet and all. And so Jesus takes this moment as the teacher to go and care for them and clean their feet. He wraps the towel around and he goes one by one and washes their feet. It says that, verse 6, he came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, Are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. You know, his classic Peter, he he always goes overboard, and he's the first one to speak out. He's like, Whoa, no, Jesus, you shouldn't wash my feet. They're all humbled. They're all probably slightly embarrassed that Jesus is doing this. When in reality, they should be doing this for him. And Peter says, No, 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 you, you can't wash my feet, Jesus. But Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then the Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. I love Peter. And then fine, God, give me a full bath. Let let me fully dive into you. And Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he, knew he was go- for he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. Judas is there. Judas is among these men that Jesus is walking around and cleaning their feet. Jesus already knew that Judas was going to betray him. Imagine if you were Judas, what that would feel like when you hear Jesus, Jesus say, you'd wonder, does Jesus know? How does he know? Did the word get out? Am I busted? What's he going to do? 
And then imagine when Jesus comes to Judas, bends down and begins to wash his feet, even the feet of his enemies. Jesus loves that much that he washed Judas' feet as well. The passage concludes, When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Here's the lesson Jesus is trying to teach. Everyone's sitting there with freshly washed feet. Everyone's sitting there humbled that their rabbi, that their mentor, that their teacher has come and acted as a lowly servant and cleaned the dirt and grime off in between their toes and off their heel. And Jesus shares this, that he is the teacher. The student is not greater than him. These disciples are not greater than he. And what does he do? He serves. And if the teacher is willing to serve, the student should as well. They're so caught up in their place of power and in who's most important among the disciples. And Jesus takes this moment that it says when he has all the power that in his presence. It says that he knew that the time was near. He has the, every opportunity. The minutes are few. And he takes this moment to show them to serve. He takes this moment to show them to love. He wasn't calling us to, to wash feet necessarily. We did it that night in Costa Rica, and it was awkward. And maybe if you've ever washed someone's feet, you know it's an uncomfortable position. Or if you've had your feet washed, it's, it's a little weird. But I don't think Jesus is calling us to that specific act. As much as he's calling us to a heart, a heart of servanthood, a heart of love, a heart of compassion. For us... Washing the feet might look very different. It might look like helping out with the chores or taking out the trash. It might look like changing diapers or cleaning bathrooms. It might look like plunging a toilet. It might look like helping someone on a project at work or in school. It might look like mowing someone's yard or it might look like cleaning up after your roommate. It might look like taking the kids so your spouse can have some time alone. I don't know what it would look like for you, but it looks like love. It looks like blessing others. As I read this story, I, I, I connect well with Peter. I always feel awkward when someone's trying to do something for me. I, I don't know if I don't feel worthy, if I, if I feel humbled, but I, I can connect to Peter when he says, Lord, you shouldn't be washing my feet. That's, that's how I often feel when someone's trying to care for me. I, I think back two years ago, uh, we were playing church softball, and, and I tore a tendon on the bottom of my foot. I'd love to say I, I tore it when I was swinging and, uh, and hitting a home run or when I was making a dive to, for some defensive play, but the reality is I, I just tore it running between bases. And, and so I tore the tendon of my foot, and I was out of commission. I couldn't walk. I couldn't do much for, for at least a week. It hurt like crazy, and then I was in a boot for most of the summer. A week into this time that my foot was up, I heard the lawnmower outside. 
And I went and hobbled over on my crutches and opened our front door. And there was Nick Wolf mowing my yard. And I'll be honest, I, I, at first I felt so awkward, I felt so embarrassed that I couldn't mow my own yard. I felt humbled and I, I felt almost ashamed. I offered to pay Nick and I said, hey, what, what would you charge? Because I know he does this for various people and he gets paid for it. I said, what do you charge? I'll, I'll pay you, Nick, to do it this summer. And he said, no, this is my blessing to you. And, and I began to fight with him. I said, no, no, let me pay you. And, and he said, no. This is my gift to you. I once received some advice from an elderly lady in our life, and, and she said, when you refuse someone's generosity, when someone, you turn away someone's gift, someone's act of kindness, you're refusing their blessing. You're refusing their chance to be the hands and feet of Jesus to you. I was so grateful for Nick that summer. My yard looked better than it ever has or it ever will because Nick did a great job. And he never would take any payment because this was his blessing. This was his way of serving others. This was his way of fulfilling John chapter 13. was loving and caring. Service is a big part here at Discovery Church, and in fact, it's one of the foundations of who we are. We, we do sense to serve every, four, every time there's five Sundays in a month, and, and we, we love to do service. And I don't think that's going to change, just because right now we're in this uh, self-quarantine and we're in this isolation time. We're actually looking, as Chris had said, for ways that we're going to have service, and, and we'll talk about that a little bit more here at the end, end of this service. But right now, I want you to look into this story. Jesus came to care for the world, but at this dinner, he's caring for those closest to him. He's caring for those disciples, those in that dinner. So I want you to think, who closest to you right now can you serve? That right now, today, in the next hour, in the next three or four hours, or sometime today, what can you do to serve. Maybe you're at home with your family and, and there's a way that you could uh, reach out and serve. Maybe you could uh, cook the meal or go pick up their favorite meal. Maybe you can do the dishes or maybe you could uh, rub, rub their feet. Maybe you could uh, take the kids. Maybe you could do, help them on a special project or do one of their chores. What could you do today to serve someone in your life that's close to you? What could you do right now to serve? Maybe you're watching this alone and, uh, and maybe you don't have anyone there with you. What could you do to be able to reach out, to make a phone call? At this time when we're all lonely, how could you reach out? How could you call someone that is alone? Maybe an elderly person that's scared to get out. Maybe you could call and say, hey, can I go get something, some groceries for you today? Can I go get some food for you? Maybe it's time to just pull out a piece of paper and a pen and write a note. I know the art of handwritten notes it seems to be dead anymore, but think what that would mean if in a few days they got a letter from you because you took a moment right now to serve out of love. You took a moment right now to wash somebody's feet, to care for them. 
If that's the case, I think when you, you do that, you're going to see what Jesus shares in his final teaching of, of this section. Verse 17, it says, uh, we already looked at it, but I want to repeat it. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. We're going to see the blessing is rich for not only the person we serve, but for us. So this morning, this day, sometime, figure out a way that you can serve. Serve someone close to you. Someone that often maybe we overlook, serve someone that often maybe we even take advantage of because we're too close. Someone that maybe doesn't expect it, maybe doesn't even deserve it. Find someone that you could serve, as Jesus did, as he became a bondservant, a servant that did it because he loved the person he's serving. If you'll go ahead and pray with me, and then Chris is going to come back up and We're going to have one more worship song and then tell you a little bit about Sin to Serve. If you'll pray with me. Lord, we thank you that you've blessed us with so much. And specifically, you've blessed us with John chapter 13. You've blessed us with this example of servanthood, of, of washing feet. You've blessed us with this example of humility and love. God, I pray that as we have this verse, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. God, let us be able to live out that verse. Let us be able to do these things to serve those that you've put before us, to serve those that are close to us right now in our home or a phone call away, a letter away. Let us serve. Maybe the neighbor next door that we could take a meal or mow their yard. God, help us be able to love And then to live out this verse and realize that we will be blessed as we do this. God, we thank you for your love. We thank you for this Discovery family that we're all still together making it through this. God, be the glue that holds us together. God, I lift this up in your name. Amen.